Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Good morning, church. How are we? Um, absolute honour and privilege to be able to share God's word with you this morning, um, especially as you guys are my family, church family, and absolute. I uh, want to thank Pastor Joe and Pastor Lena for this opportunity. Um, this morning, I want to talk about a really encouraging subject, a great subject to start off the week, and the subject is when life doesn't go as planned. <laughs> Who's happy to hear that for a subject on a Sunday morning? Um, I don't know what kind of words that resembles for you, but for me, when I hear that subject, I kind of cringe. Um, it feels like the odds are against you, and no matter what you do, nothing ever goes to pain. In fact, the opposite happens. Uh, I heard a story the other day, true story. There was a man called Brian from Utah, America, who had a day just like that. Nothing went to plan. His apartment became flooded from a broken pipe in the apartment above his. So his rental manager told him to rent a water vacuum. That's when he discovered his car had a flat tyre. He changed it, went inside to call his friend for some help. But while he was standing in the water and grabbing the phone, he got electrical shock. It startled him so badly, he actually ripped the phone off the wall. Now, by the time he finally recovered and was ready to leave, the water damage had swelled, causing the door to become so jammed tight, he had no choice but to scream and yell at his neighbour to come and kick the door down. Now, while all this was going on, somebody stole Brian's car. True story. However, his car was out of petrol, so he found it only a few blocks away. But he had to push it all the way down to the petrol station. That evening, Brian attended a military ceremony at his university. However, he severely injured himself when he accidentally sat on a military knife, which someone, I don't know why they would do this, but tossed in front of his car seat. I don't want to picture that anyway. Doctors were able to stitch up his wound. However, nobody was able to resuscitate Brian's four canaries who were crushed by his fallen plaster from his wet apartment ceiling. When he returned home from hospital, Brian again slipped on the wet carpet and re-injured his tailbone. At this point in time, he began to wonder, quote, if God wanted him dead but just kept on missing. <laughs> Have you ever had a day like that where nothing ever goes to plan? I don't know about you, there's been times in my life where things just haven't gone the way I liked it. And to be honest, it's hard to take. It's difficult to understand. It's frustrating. It's discouraging. And at times, there's this sense of hopelessness. You think, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to recover from this? There's a story in the Bible where things didn't go planned, which I kind of want to explore with you guys this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to John 11. It's from verse 1 to 6, and then we're going to skip to verse 17 to 21. So John 11, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus was now laid sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So his sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so, he, so God's Son may be glorified through it. 
Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. I'm going to jump to verse 17. On, on his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus who had already been in the tomb for four days. So Lazarus is dead. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and it was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many of the Jews had come to comfort Mary and Martha um, at the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord Martha uh, said to Jesus, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. If only you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Interesting story. Jesus is somewhere in Bethany, and in Bethany, there's a person called Lazarus who is one of Jesus' best friends. You know, they were BFFs, best friends forever. Um, Lazarus has two sisters, Mary and Martha, who are also extremely close to Jesus. You know, Jesus actually spent time with them in their home. They were very close. They were close friends. And we get to the stage where Lazarus is sick. He's so sick that he actually looks like he's actually dying. And Mary and Martha think, jeepers, this isn't looking good. You know, we should probably send a text to Jesus. So they send a text to Jesus saying, listen, Jesus, you know the one you love, your BFF, he's actually dying. Do you want to just come by, stop by, because we kind of need you. Now, Jesus is only a few kilometres away. So when the message is sent, um, they think he'll be there within the hour. Only a few kilometres, they're sure he'll be here within the hour. So they're waiting. One hour goes by, nothing. Five hours go by, no show. Well, maybe, maybe Jesus got held up in ministry. You know, he, he's a guy that when you ask him for a healing, he doesn't say no. Maybe he's gone to a conference. You know, I'm sure he'll be here. We're talking about the Son of God. He knows when Lazarus is going to die. I'm sure he'll be here just in the right time. Two entire days go by. Two days go by and Jesus is nowhere to be seen. Nowhere to be seen and Lazarus dies. Sometimes life doesn't go the way we want it to go. The unexpected happens. Um, close relationships fall apart. A doctor gives us or someone we love a diagnosis that kind of just changes our lives forever. We're suddenly made redundant at work or our, our business fails and now we're kind of facing the financial pressure and we don't know how we're going to get by. Our family and friends, they say things to us or do things to us that hurt us. Now, someone gets picked over you and you feel the pain and rejection. And eventually, we all get to the stage where we start to say, God, why did this happen to me? Why me, God? Why? This, this wasn't part of the plan, God. Why did this have happen to me? Like Mary and Martha, we start to think, Lord, if only you were here. If only you had shown up when I needed you to. If only you had answered my prayers, everything would be different. My life would be different. My life would be so much better. I'm sure many of us can relate to Martha and Mary and the pain that they, were, that, that they were experiencing. You know, situations don't make sense. Situations don't have any purpose. And there's this sense of hopelessness. And for some of us, we actually struggle to see how we're going to get through to the next day. Through the story of Lazarus, I believe God wants to speak to someone here this morning. That how do you get through those moments when life doesn't go to plan? How do you get through those moments when God doesn't make sense? And I believe God's got a word for you this morning if you're in that boat. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, that you are our God, that you're an amazing God. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place. 
Um, it's by your word and your presence that lives are changed, God. Uh, it's not so important how we walked in, but it's more important how we walked out. And we want to walk out with lives changed, being closer to you. Uh, we, we love you, God, and we ask things in your awesome and mighty name. Amen. Amen. So the first lesson we learn from the story of Lazarus is that God is with us in our pain. Now, to kind of illustrate this point, I kind of thought of a, a story that was personal to me. And the story relates to my first child, Ezra, when he was first born. Um, when I saw and held Ezra for the first time in hospital, I had so much joy. It was amazing. Um, in fact, often I'd hear parents tell me that when they get to hold their child for the first time, they often share a tear because of the overwhelming feelings. For me, I didn't share a tear. I was heaps happy. I had so much joy, but I just didn't cry. But I'll tell you when I did cry. I'll show you this picture. This is the first time I did cry over Ezra. The little tuck, he's getting the sun at 10, and that little sunbaking machine there. At two days old, Ezra started developing a condition called jaundice, which is very common. It's nothing to freak over about. It's actually very common with newborns. Um, it's a liver-related condition that causes the skin to turn yellow, and if not treated, can have some long-term effects. As a result, Ezra spent a total of eight days in hospital doing light therapy. Then we finally got to go home. However, after two nights, we noticed his skin turning yellow again. He became extremely drowsy. He became extremely unresponsive. And we called the doctor and said, bring him back to the hospital immediately. And at that moment at home, seeing Ezra just not responding to me, drowsy, I just started crying my eyes out. I couldn't believe it. Got to remember, I was also really tired. You know, you don't sleep. I'm a social worker. It's probably a too bad combination of things. I just, I just couldn't help but cry. It was the first time I've ever cried over Ezra. Now he's three and a half, and he's got a best friend called Tantrums. I cry for other reasons. <laughs> I'm sure you can relate to me. Um, but do you know why I cried? It's because when you love someone so much, you can't help but feel their pain. It broke my heart seeing Ezra in pain. It broke my heart seeing Ezra in that situation. But this is the truth. Although Ezra was struggling with his circumstances, he was struggling with pain, although things didn't go to pain as they should, but because I was his father and because I love him, I never left him. Even though he couldn't see me, even though he couldn't feel me, I was right there next to him. I never left him. And you know what? This is exactly what God does. This is no difference to what God does. Sometimes when the unexpected happens in our life, we feel like God has abandoned us, that he's left us. Our, thought, our thoughts start to tell us that you know, God is just some distant person, just some distant God who doesn't care about you, your pain, what you're struggling with, that doesn't care about what you're going through, that you're left on your own to pick up the pieces. And I want you to let you know that is furthest from the truth. Listen to how Jesus responds when he hears about his best friend dying. John 11, 35 says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the whole Bible. It's probably many people's favourites because it's probably the easiest to remember, to be honest. I mean, it makes it sound spiritual. Um, but what does it mean? Jesus wept. Um, so I did what any God-fearing Christian loving Christian would do. I googled it. And some commentators, this is interesting, some commentators believe that Jesus um, cried because Mary and Martha had a lack of faith. 
You know, they'd had a lack of faith and it was kind of like disappointed with them. It was like, like tears of disappointment. Others believe it was to show that although Jesus was God, he was also fully human. That he just lost his best friend and it's okay to cry. That as Christians, it's okay to show emotion. But the more I was picturing the scene and kind of putting myself in and what was going on, the reason why I believe this verse is so powerful, regardless how short it is, is because it reveals to us how exactly who God is. It reveals to us exactly the nature and character of God. That when crisis comes your way, he isn't somewhere in a distance and God doesn't care about you or what you're going through. But we have a God that sits with us in our grief. That we have a God that comes alongside us in our suffering, who understands and feels our pain. He takes his, our pain upon himself um, because that is who God is. That's the character of God. He never abandons us in our deepest times. In times when we're feeling pain, he's right there with us. When Jesus saw Mary crying, he didn't turn around saying, oh, jeepers, this is really awkward. I'm just going to let you go. He didn't say, oh, Martha, you're crying again. Didn't you know I was coming? Didn't you have a lack of faith? He didn't do that. What did he do? He sat with Mary. He sat with Martha and he grieved with her. He sat with her. He showed compassion. He took the pain upon himself because that is how much Jesus loves you. That when you hurt, he hurts. Just like how I cried when I saw Ezra in pain and never left him, how much more will God never abandon us in our pain, will never abandon us in our darkest times because he's our heavenly father. And the Bible says that he's a father above fathers. I want you to know this morning that whatever you experience or whatever you're going through, you're not alone in your pain. That God is right with you in that circumstance. He feels and understands your pain this morning. I love what it says in Psalms 34, 18. This is the message version. It says, if your heart is broken, you will find God right there. I wonder how you came in this morning. Is your heart broken because certain things in your life haven't gone the right way? That certain plans haven't come and the unexpected incidents have happened? Is your heart broken? Well, the good news for you this morning is God is with you. He's right there in your pain. So often in my life, and when things haven't gone as planned, there's a thought that you know, comes out of nowhere that says, maybe you've done something wrong, David. Maybe you've sinned. That's why God has left me. Now this is my punishment. This is my consequence. Now I've got to deal with it. I want you to know that's a life in the pit of hell. Listen to this. The nature of your circumstances does not change the nature of God. The nature of your problem, the nature of your circumstances does not change or determine God's nature. Lazarus was dead. Mary and Martha thought Jesus didn't care for them because he didn't rock up at the right time. He didn't, he didn't show when he was meant to show. And they let their circumstances dictate how they saw God. But this story gives us hope that no matter how bad your situation may look, no matter how bad the plans may appear to be, God's nature never changes. He still loves you. He's still with you and he's on your side. That the God that was with you on top of the mountain, that the God that was with you during the good times is the same God that's with you at the bottom of the valley. He's the same God. His, na his, na his nature never, ever changes. He'll never abandon you in your pain or when that unexpected happens. That when crisis comes your way, he's right there with you. Right there with you. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I love that. What hand? His righteous hand. His victorious hand. 
Psalms 23, 4 says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your comfort, your staff comfort me. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not fear. Why? Because you are with me. Even though I walk through the darkest valley of that diagnosis, I will not fear. Why? Because you are with me. Even though I walk through that, that fear of not knowing my future, that fear of financial difficulties or marriage troubles, I will not fear. Why? Because you are with me. You comfort me. What does this story teach us? Well, the first point it teaches us is that God is with us in our pain. He never abandons us in our pain. Point two, what the story teaches us is that God turns our pain into purpose. John eleven five six 5, 6 says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Interesting how the verse says that to begin, because the next verse kind of does the opposite. So listen to this, verse 6 says, So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. I want you to put yourself in, in Mary and Martha's shoes. You know that Jesus loves you. You've told that your brother, Jesus, your brother Lazarus is dying, you know, the one that Jesus loves, but then you find that, that Jesus deliberately stays away for two more days? doesn't make sense. And as a result, Lazarus dies? Um, what kind of makes this hard to understand was that these guys weren't bad people. Like Maz, uh, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, they were all like devoted Christians. You know, they were the ones that rocked up to spring cleaning yesterday. You know, they were devoted followers of God. Um, they were good people. Yet Jesus was blessing and answering everyone else's prayers but theirs. Jesus was healing complete strangers. People didn't even know. He was just doing complete healings, yet he didn't answer their prayers. He didn't answer Mary and Lazarus or Martha's prayers, the ones who had been faithful this whole time. Doesn't make sense. Have you, have you ever been there before? I oh, know I have, where you know, something bad happens to your life and and you see everyone else, people aren't even Christian, they, they just seem like their life is all together. They seem like God's blessing them. But for you, you just feel like God is absent. Why is this happening in my life? I think this is exactly how Martha and me would have been feeling. But I love what Jesus says to them next. John 11.4 says, It is for God's glory that God's Son may be glorified through it. You see, what looked like things weren't going to plan what looked like a setback was God doing a setup for something amazing to come. Now, I wonder this morning, could it be possible that whatever you're experiencing, those circumstances that haven't gone to plan, could it be possible that God is preparing you for something greater, that God has a greater purpose for your life, that those setbacks are actually setups for God to use your life like never before for his glory? Know that the pain some of you are experiencing because of unexpected circumstances, I believe in a God that can turn that pain into something meaningful, into something purposeful, into something beautiful. The truth is, if you're to look in history, people who've had the greatest influence, you know, people who've brought the greatest change are often people who've experienced the greatest pain, where plans haven't gone their way. If you're to look in the Bible and study the people who've had the greatest influences for God's kingdom, there's one thing they all have in common, and that is they never had plans that went their way, and they all experienced great pain. Um, David, after he received the word from God that he'd be king, spent 13 years on the run from King Saul trying to kill him. The very same person who was meant to be his mentor and his friend, David felt betrayed. Before Esther became queen, she was an orphan raised by her uncle and viewed as a lower class person. 
She and her uncle continue to receive death threats, being reminded that they were nobodies, they were insignificant, that they didn't have a future. Joseph, before he became second in command of Egypt, spent 14 years being rejected by his family, thrown down a well by his, by his brothers, sold into slavery, falsely accused and being sent to prison. Sometimes God will use your deepest pain to launch your greatest calling. Sometimes God will, will use your deepest hurts to launch your greatest ministry, even though at the times we can't see through it. We don't know what's going on. I know I'm talking about myself here, but I, sometimes I doubt and I let, I don't, what I don't know about God, it doubts what I do know about God. And what I want to say to you, don't doubt what you, do know, what you don't know about God cause you to doubt what you do know about God. Because when you don't see anything working, it doesn't mean God's not working. He always works best in the background. Isaiah 55, 8, verse 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's a powerful verse. A lot of you guys know that I used to be a social worker, but a lot of you guys didn't know that before I became a social worker, I was actually studying to become an accountant. Um, and do you know when I wanted to become a social worker? It wasn't when I was preaching a sermon and, you know, the heavens opened, God spoke to me. It wasn't when I was, you know, at Moriata Falls on top of the rock. And I said, God, speak to me. And, you know, the rocks cracked. How I knew when God wanted to be a social worker was when I got kicked out of home, when I got rejected by my family, when things weren't going to plan. That's when I knew God wanted me to be a social worker. I couldn't see it, but God had a greater purpose for me. God was turning my pain into purpose. He was turning my hurt into ministry. And I actually ended up working with kids who couldn't live at home anymore. You see, what looked like a mess in my life became a message of hope for other children. What looked like a test became a testimony for God's glory. Some of you, the enemy keeps reminding you that nothing good will come out of your situation. That there's no hope. That it's, it's over. Just give up already. What's the point? But God wants to say something to you this morning. And he says in Genesis 50, 20, he says, you intended to harm me. You know, the enemy says, you nothing's going to come good out of this situation. The world pulls you down. Listen to what God says. But God intended it for the good to accomplish is what now being done, the saving of many lives. I love that. The enemy uses it to bring harm, but God uses it to bring good to the, to the use of the savings of many lives. I love this quote from Pastor John Wesley. He says, What gives God glory is not your prosperity. The new Lexus in your jewelry doesn't let your neighbour know that God is real. Nobody with good credit can get a Lexus. The promotion of your job doesn't let your co-workers know that God is real. Anyone with a good work ethic can, can get a job promotion. What, God, what gives God glory is, is when you go through hell, when you go through the valley, when you, go, when you get to the very bottom and the Lord still holds your life together, that's when you know God is real. Powerful scripture, oh, not scripture, powerful quote. Lou Hoyt says, Show me someone who's done something worthwhile and I'll show you someone who's overcome adversity. What have you been going through this morning? God wants to say to you, don't give up. Don't you dare give up. Don't lose hope because he's working in the background. He's got a bigger purpose and a bigger plan for your life. That we are sons and daughters of God and that the enemy is a liar and he is defeated. We need to remember when things don't go away, 
God is constantly reminding us he's got a greater purpose for us. That he turns our pain into purpose. And my final point that we can learn from this story is that God is faithful. We come to the story where Lazarus has now been dead for four days. They've already had the funeral. Now, Lazarus is actually lying in the tomb. The question I ask you this morning is, do you know what happens to a dead body after four days? It's not pretty. It's already decomposing and pretty much he's not coming back to life. It's over. It's finished. So why leave Lazarus dead for four days? I believe it's because Jesus wanted to show that no matter how impossible the situation may look in your life, that no matter what people or what the world is telling you, that God is faithful to his promises, that he is a promise keeper, that no one can frustrate God's plans or promises for your life or for your children's life. Lazarus was dead, he was hopeless, and he was lifeless. This wasn't meant to be part of the plan, Jesus. What is going on? But listen to this. Jesus used a lifeless circumstance, a lifeless situation to bring life to the lifeless. That through the faithfulness of Jesus, it wasn't just Mary, Martha and Lazarus whose lives had changed, but it was also the people surrounding them. The very ones that were mocking and doubting Jesus. They saw what had happened and right down the spot, they gave their lives to God and their lives would never be the same again. John eleven forty three forty five 45 says, Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And a dead man came out. His, his hands and his feet were bound in grave cloths. His face was wrapped up in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. Sometimes, We have to go through pain to get the glory. But what we need to constantly remind ourselves is that God is faithful and he'll be with us and guide us the entire way. Even though at times we can't feel it or we can't see it. I don't know why certain things happen in life. Um, I don't know why God doesn't heal or answer prayers. And that's a mystery for God. But I do know one thing. And his word makes it clear that no matter what I have to go through, that no matter what I have to endure, God will always remain faithful to me. He always will be with me. Even at times when things don't make sense and it feels like God has abandoned me, God is right there. He's working in the background because he's a faithful God. I want to show you this video I saw the other day. Just play the video. Everybody has a hero. Okay. Mine's my dad. Yes, I can. Since mom died. It's only been us. He has a way of filling my life with color. Dad, which one? That one. Sometimes I don't understand his advice, but I trust him. And what always brought us together was our love for running. One day, I'll be faster than him. And when I am, I'm gonna win every marathon in the world. Or at least that was my plan. I'm losing my sight. And real quick, read to me the lowest level that you can see on it. What is called is interocular melanoma. Eye cancer. Unfortunately, you will lose your vision. That was the day my father disappeared. Wakey. Way to run, champ. Come on. I thought he would always be there for me. 
guess I was wrong. Dad, where are you? Dad, where did you go? Do you not love me anymore? Am I still beautiful? Are you no longer proud of me? most. Abby thinks I've left her. And as much as it pains me to hear that, she's right. I've left her. The best that we can do is can save the proof? actual eyes so that cosmetically she doesn't lose them. That's my girl. That's my girl. That's my little girl. There's support groups, and I know this is a very difficult time. No! I've left her to realize she's more courageous than she ever imagined. I've left her to discover how beautiful she is from the inside out. I've left her to challenge herself in ways she never considered. I've left her to discover how strong she really is. says he gave me what I needed, not what I wanted. Love is allowing someone to see their true worth and beauty. I used to think my dreams were over. I thought I'd never run again. And even though I can't see my dad, I know he's guiding me the entire way. I get you guys to stand. Powerful video. I told myself I wasn't gonna cry. I've seen it so many times. I'm still in tears. 
God is always faithful. Even though we can't see him, he's always working in the background. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what circumstances you're facing. I'm not having any purpose. You can't see God in that situation. It feels like God's not there. And the enemy is constantly reminding you just to give up, to lose hope that God has left you. But the story of Lazarus, It's a great reminder, it's an encouragement, no matter how bad your situation may look. God's nature never changes. He always remains the same. That He's faithful. He still loves you. And that we serve a God who is able. He's a serve. We can serve a God who can do the impossible, even though we can't see it. For some of us, we've been battling over particular things for a while, and you haven't given up. You still believe in God, but you're getting tired and you're slowly losing hope. I want you to know that God's telling you this morning that he's working in the background. Even though you can't see it, he's still working. Not to give up yet. Don't you dare give up yet. Because God's got a bigger plan. He's got a bigger purpose. And he can turn that pain into something powerful into something purposeful, into something beautiful. Why? Because our God is a way maker. He's our miracle worker. He's our promise keeper. He's our light in the darkness. That even though I can't see it, He never stops working. And this morning, I want to challenge you or encourage you. Can you put your trust in God this morning? I want to ask every eye shut in this place. I just want to be sensitive to God's Spirit. This morning, maybe there's a particular area in your life where you just want to say, you know what, God? I'm just going to give this area to you. I'm already trusting you, but as a sign of faith, I'm just going to say, you know what, God? I'm going to keep trusting you. I'm going to keep believing in you. If that's you this morning, as a sign of faith, as a stand, I just want you to put your hand up. If there's a particular area in your life, just lift your hand up. Say, I'm going to trust you, God. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You are our miracle waker. You are our light in the darkness. You're an amazing God. You are an amazing God. I just pray right now, Father God. Know what the enemy is trying to do, trying to bring us down. God, we trust you because you've got bigger plans. You've got a bigger purpose that even though we can't see it, you are working, God, that you are a miracle maker. You are a light in the darkness, Lord God, that you are our God, that you are our King, that the enemy is defeated, Father God. We love you, God. We love you, God. We love you, God. We thank you, God, that you've got plans and a purpose for our lives, Lord God. That even though the devil's telling us to give up, even those situations are telling us to lose hope. We won't because you are our miracle maker. That even though we can't see it working, we you see you working. We see you working, God. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Our circumstances don't change the nature of God. His character doesn't change with how we feel. It's not about what we feel. It's about who He is. He's a loving God. He's a faithful God that understands our pain and carries us through. 
Lord, we just thank you for your word today. Thank you how you've touched our lives. And Lord, we know that we are your children and that you want the best for us. It may not seem that we're going through a good time, but we know that you're there in the background working as we heard. And Father, you can only do good because you're a good God. And that's all you do is good. And so we put our trust and our faith in you. And Father, we want to live for you. Lord, we pray that you bless our week this week. Let us know that you are going to be with us and that we don't look at our circumstances, but we look to you and we just put our trust in you, Lord. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Lord, bless you. Have a great week. May the Lord be with you.